You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz. This is our latest White Sox chat. We are joined by the great Scott Merkin, fresh off a visit to the city of champions, Cleveland, Ohio. Merck, how was your stay in beautiful Cleveland? How about that? I will tell you that Cleveland was as alive as I've ever seen it, and I mean that in a, in a good way, not taking a backhanded shot at all. You, you could really just sense the energy from, I think I got there Friday afternoon, right on. Everyone had Cavs shirts on. Everyone was talking about the Cavs. Everyone was analyzing if you could, uh, you know, how tough it's going to be to win in Game 7, but we think we can do it, and, you know, trying to avoid the heartbreak and that kind of thing, but good for the city and good for LeBron for going back home and, uh, getting his deal. Then i got to congratulate uh, and a friend of yours, too, Anthony, Megan Golden, who used to work for yeah. the Indians. She worked for the White Sox. Die-hard Cavs fan. And, uh, she was down there last night with her family celebrating. Told me it was the best night of her life. So She's young. She'll have better nights, I'm sure. But I'm sure it was a pretty, uh, <laughs> it was a pretty, it was a pretty great night for the city. It was, it was just cool to see how excited one city can be over it. You, you forget what, on the good way, what sports can do for a, a city and environment. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, glad we get a Megan Golden shout-out. Sure, sure, he's the best. Uh, all right, so the White Sox, uh, less happy news here. Uh, not, the White not Sox the best, have lost not the best 20, right now. <laughs> they've lost 26 of 36 dating back to May 10th. That is the worst record in all the major leagues in that span. Uh, and, of course, got swept over the weekend by the Indians. And, Merck, I don't know, it seems like every other week we kind of talk about Robin's, uh, Robin Mature's status and – it's just I know there's been some more recent reports about him uh, potentially being on the hot seat, but you do wonder, I mean, how long can somebody survive this kind of a rut with this kind of a team, with these kind of expectations? Well, here's the thing. The blame, we've talked about this at Nazim on the, on the podcast, and I've written about it in stories and everything else, tweeted about it. To blame this all on Robin is kind of foolhardy because this is a flawed roster. It's, it's, you know, there, there's not – it's not a first-place team, and they're playing like it. You know, the record doesn't lie. But sometimes, you know, good people, decent managers, when the team doesn't perform, there's a change that's made, and that may happen if things don't turn around. You know, it's interesting. I know a lot of people felt like they were kind of prescient, but, you know, the night you talked about, May 10th, was when they gave up seven runs in the eighth inning to the Rangers and blew 11-6 lead and lost 13-11. Since then, they're 10-26. and since then, the Rangers are 27 and 10. So go figure. Maybe maybe that really was a trend. And then, of course, the Sox had that brutal 7-1 ninth inning lead that they lost to the Royals. So there's been some horrible losses along the way. And you know, it's just uh, a little bit of everything. You know, I mean, they they got walked off on Friday when Nate Jones, you know, said he shook off Avila and threw a, a third straight slider to Santana that hung. He crushed it. Shields was obliterated on Saturday night, and then yesterday they went on a, you know, Cleveland wins on a kind of a bad hot single past the Braves. So it, it just seems like they're inventing, you know, we're talking about Cleveland, the city overall, breaking the, the chain. They're inventing new ways of heartbreak to lose. And, you know, the, the thing that they had going for them for a while there was they were right, you know, they were right there, two games, three games. But now you're talking there, I think, six losses behind Cleveland, five and a half games back, plus five behind the Indians. And when you start chasing two or three teams, that's when there's trouble. That's when you can't. That's when you start to lose that excuse of well, it's early, or we're still in it, or this or that. You know, you start getting behind a couple teams where you gotta go two weeks just to get back in the competition. Then you're in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, and I wanted to kind of harp on that point of uh, you know how you fare within the division means so much, and it's interesting because as good as Chris Sale's season has been, 
he struggled against AL Central teams in particular. 5.15 ERA over seven starts against AL Central clubs. I know you talked to him a little bit about that. What does he attribute that to? You know, I think he said, you know, in terms of layman's terms, just kind of repeating his delivery. But the way he explained it more is he talked about, you know, like when you play your friend in basketball, you want to beat him. When you play your brother in a pickup game, you really want to beat him. You know, and I think he looks at the AL Central as kind of family. And I think what happens is he gives up a couple of hits and he goes in that mode that he was trying to get out of, you know, this year. And, again, it's so, such a minute thing with Chris Sale because if, if Chris Sale is your only issue, you're, you're pretty well ahead of the curve, that's for sure. Um, you know, where he just kind of, I think he loses focus a little bit, tries to go a little too intense, tries to win the game on every pitch, and that's just kind of happened. He, he didn't go into great detail. Obviously, they're not going to reveal their, what they found, you know, to a, to a letter in terms of pay-per-view and side sessions. But he said they have some things they're going to, you know, implement when they go against Central again. And he did win his last start. You know, he's 11-2. and two. Hard to argue with what Chris Dale has done. So I think you're really kind of, you know, lo- looking for things if you're, if you're looking at Chris Dale. But, again, it's interesting that he, number one, he turns a phrase like nobody else on that team. And, number two, that he's aware of it, too. They're aware of it, and they're trying to, trying to work on it because, obviously, what you do in the division, as a, evidenced by their 5-17 and 17 run against the AL Central of late, is how you kind of, you know, finish during the year. Yeah, you have to squint uh, to find fault with uh, with Chris Sale, but you could be yeah. Mr. Magoo and find fault with James Shields. It, it's kind of like tw- it's kind of like saying, well, you know, the celebration in Cleveland was great, but it should have ended about five minutes sooner than it, than it did. You know, that kind of thing. It, <laughs> it, it, it's hard it's hard to find fault. It really is. Oh, Merck, I was happy with my Mr. Magoo line, and then you you kind of backtracked on me, but that's okay. I'll let that go. <laughs> Um, I wasn't a big Mr. Magoo fan growing up, though, but it was a good reference, though, Anthony. It was, okay, it thank you. Yeah, I, was, I was proud of that. Uh, James Shields, 21 runs in eight and two-thirds innings uh, with the Chicago White Sox. And, of course, his last start with San Diego was pretty rough as well. So it's a four-start stretch where he's given up, what, seven, at least seven runs in, in four innings or less or something like that. Something ridiculous. Right. No, he's just um, one of them. But, yeah, it, 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 I know what you're saying. It's, it's, it's yeah, what, what, what do you even say? What, what does he even say at this point? I mean, you know, he stood there and answered questions starting after he got pummeled. The same thing I, at the day we're taping is I was watching uh, MLB Network this morning and Mark DeRosa and Al Leiter. I believe those are two guys on where we're talking yeah. about fields. And, you know, first of all, he's not throwing near enough strikes, and that's what Coop's in. And, and, and uh, it doesn't manifest itself in huge walk totals, but too many 2-0 and 3-1 counts that are just being, you know, crushed when he comes in there. And number two is, you know, they said, and it kind of looked that way, that he's not trusting his stuff right now. You, you know what? You have to remember that when they got Fields, I realize they're paying $27 million over three years when you factor in the, the final buyout. And, you know, they, they, they did not to besmirch the guys they gave up, but they certainly weren't top prospects within the system for the back there, Santa and Fernando Tatis Jr. And they, they didn't get him to be, you know, sales counterparts. They didn't get him to be one-two punch rotation. They got him to kind of balance out the rotation. So, you know, the pressure shouldn't be that high on him, aside from just normal pressure of being a major league player, which is pretty high. But he just needs to be competitive again. I mean, you can't kill the bullpen every five days. You can't put your team – and you see it in the players. You know, when you're down 7 nothing, 8 nothing. I realize they came back against Detroit last week when they were down 7 nothing and one. But you, you see it in the players in the outfield, that, or in the infield, I'm sorry, that, you know, both, that normal plays that are made, they just kind of lose focus. Because I think they're, you know, whether they say it or not, they're kind of out there and saying, yeah, geez, we're down seven or eight runs again. Here's one, you know, down the drain. So, he doesn't have to dominate. He doesn't have to throw a complete game. He doesn't have to strike out 12. He's just got to get to a competitive level. He's got to get to where 
the bullpen isn't trying to find a way to eat six or seven innings every time he goes to the mound. And, you know, his next guy is going to be tough. He's just one of the best hitting teams in baseball. So he's going to have to, you know, get in on the fly. I know a lot of people on Twitter have suggested that go to the bullpen, they somehow find something to put him on the DL, but he's going to be absolutely fine. But you got to keep pitching. There really aren't that many other options for the White Sox, so he's going to have to, as he said, as Robin said Saturday night, he's going to have to figure it out. Well, all I know is that teams have been known to find mysterious injuries in the past uh, when a guy goes poorly. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Shields has another one, um, if, if suddenly uh, his, his supreme health has, has taken a turn for the worse. We'll see how that uh, develops. Uh, another big ticket acquisition, Merch, Todd Frazier. He's batting 197 on the season. Uh, you know, he's got 19 home runs this year, but only five doubles and only one hit in his last 24 at-bats as we record this. So uh, what have you made of Todd Frazier's year? I believe, not not to pile on here, but I believe if you go back even further, I think he's eight for his last 80 right now. As we, as yeah. So, he has some key pitches here. As a matter of fact, the game before the horrible game in Texas, when they won in 12 innings and went to 23-10, and 10, Frazier hit the game-winning grand slam at the top of the 12th inning there to put them 13 over. He's had some big hits this year. He played very good defense at third, so that you know that's that's part of the good part. Great guy in the clubhouse. He's a great representative for the team overall, but he's just not hitting. He's swinging it. You know, he's just in a funk where he's a team getting frustrated. You've seen him slam the bats down a couple times, and you know, just getting a little bit. It's interesting though. I was you know walking walking to get something to drink at Progressive Field, and I heard Tom Hamilton, the great Tom Hamilton, broadcasting in the hallway, and he was talking about Frazier walking twice on Sunday maybe setting him in the right direction. Maybe that's what it'll take to get him going. You know, again, doesn't need to carry the team, doesn't need to hit team 290. They just need to hit. They need to make better contact in big situations. And he's had some big hits, but just be a little more consistent because, you know, he's one of their really two or three true power sources on that team. And Abreu is just starting to come around a little bit now. So you need, you kind of need that one-two punch in the early order. Yeah, Abreu, uh, Melky Cabrera has had a, a decent stretch here, so there are some encouraging signs. But, man, the White Sox really need to get it on track uh, in a hurry here because things have really gotten off track. But, uh, Merck, I want to thank you uh, for that insight, as always. And, I again, I hope you enjoyed your stay in the city of champions. And uh, we'll catch up with you next week, buddy. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extra, Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.